Okay, let's go to the book of Hebrews. Oh, right here. Hebrews chapter uh, chapter 1. And uh, uh, I, I, I want to tell you just a little bit about Hebrews. It's just like every book in the, in the Bible. You know, you can just pick one and start reading. And uh, But anyway, the book of Hebrews, uh, in its original, when it was, I mean, this was just it. It wasn't like, oh, by the way, before you read this one, uh, make sure you, th- no, this could have been the only book that you read. And some people that had just learned about Jesus, this is what they got. You know, they heard about Jesus through people talking, but this was the first letter that was either from, you know, could have been Paul or Apollos or whoever wrote it. Uh, but anyway, um, I just want trying to tell you that it's got, you know, this is, you can see in this letter here, oh, the mercy of God uh, without thinking, you know, well, I'm missing something, so I really don't think God's quite this good to me. Yes, He is. He really is. Oh, uh, I'm going to read verse 1 out of the King James, and we're going to switch over to the Living Bible. But anyway, God who at sundry times, whatever that is, okay, and in divers' manners, what is that? (laughs) That means various or all kinds of ways. Spake, don't hear that much, spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. And, and, And I could keep going here in the King James, but I'm going to switch over Save a little bit of time here and go right to the Living Bible here. But I do, I do want you to watch how much mercy is here. We, we condemn ourselves so much and think that even when we try to read our Bibles, we'll begin to think, you know, I think God's not happy with me. <laughs> yes, He is. You need a Savior. Jesus did it for you. He paid for everything. All our mistakes. And one of the wonderful things about the book of Hebrews is it tells you you've got a friend and it's called your high priest. It's Jesus. He is your high priest. He is alive. He knows your struggles. There's not one sin you're ever going to commit from here to the time you meet Jesus that's ever going to be a problem. Except for one listed in the book of Hebrews. And that is if you decide, I don't want Jesus anymore. That's the only one. Only one listed in there. Well, I'm not doing that. I need Jesus. But see, a lot of people worry because uh, if I do something, then Jesus is going to say, well, you did it right there. No, it's spelled out beautifully in the book of Hebrews that I don't want Jesus anymore. You know, it's not anything about, well, you did something specific that just really made him long, made him mad. Watch this. Long ago, God spoke in many different ways to our fathers through the prophets in dreams, visions, and even face to face. He spoke to Moses face to face. Telling them little by little about his plans. But now in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son, uh, to whom he has given everything and through whom he made the world and everything there is. You know, Jesus was actually, I mean, he, he's just God in the flesh. I mean, he, he knew when he was talking to uh, uh, Nathaniel. Nathaniel, <clears throat> Philip found Nathaniel and said, hey, we found the Messiah. Nathaniel said, well, I don't know. Where's he from? He, well, he's from Nazareth. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth, you know? Anyway, when Jesus shows up in uh, John chapter, uh, this is John chapter uh, uh, chapter 1. In John chapter 1, uh, Jesus says, there's Nathaniel, he says, Nathaniel, a man in whom there's no guile. In other words, I know you, you're a good guy. And Nathaniel says, how do you know me? And Jesus says, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Boy, and Nathaniel fell down at his feet and he said, you're the son of God. So there must have been something that only Nathaniel knew that he was thinking about 
and looking at this fig tree, you know how it is when you're by yourself, nobody's looking. You think, you know, does God really care about me? Does he even know I'm here? Does he, you know, Jesus knew that Nathaniel was right there having these thoughts and whatever. And I mean, they just married up right there at that moment. And he realized, wow, this is Jesus. So anyway, but Jesus did create everything. John, I mean, excuse me, verse 3, God's Son shines out with God's glory and all that God's Son is and marks Him as God. He regulates the universe by His mighty power and His command. He's the one, now watch this, who died to cleanse us and to clear our record of all sin and then sat down at the highest honor beside the great God of heaven. Now what did He do? He created the world, but also he was the one who died to cleanse us and to clear our record. You can find this in the book of Colossians. It tells us the same thing, too, that he took all of the handwriting of the things that were done against us, ordinances that were against us, the King James says. He took it out of the way, nailing it to the tree, nailing it to the cross. All that stuff was nailed to the cross. But sometimes it, it just... It just goes over our head and we think, I don't know. I mean, I know God created everything and it's beauty. And you look at the moon at night and the stars and and we just worry sometimes that, you know, but I mean, I don't know. I just don't know if God's going to be that. Yes, he's this good to you. He, You could never pay for your sins anyway. Jesus did it. Anyway, he sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 4, thus he became far greater than the angels as proved by the fact that his name is Son of God which was passed on him from his father, is far greater than the, let's see, than the names and titles of angels. For God never said to any angel, you're my son, and today I give that honor that goes with that name. But God said that about Jesus. Another time he said, I am his father, he is my son. Still another time, when the firstborn son came to earth, God said, let all the angels of God worship him. God speaks of his angels as messengers, swift as the wind, and as servants made of flaming fire. But of his son, he says, your kingdom, O God, will last forever and ever, and your commands are always just and right. You love, what does he say? You love right and hate wrong. Even your God has poured out <clears throat> more gladness upon you than anyone else. Now notice this right, he poured out gladness. We've got such a sad Jesus sometimes. We think Jesus is so sad. And remember the book of Psalms says, In His presence is fullness of joy. God also, when He called Him Lord, He said, Lord, in the beginning you made the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will disappear into nothingness, but you will remain forever. They will become wore out like old clothes, and someday you'll fold them up and replace them. But you yourself will never change, and your years will never end. Now, thank God we have eternal life. We're not going to pass away with this old earth. No, we're coming back with him. And God said, and did God ever say to an angel, as he does his son, sit here beside me and, oh, in honor until I crush all your enemies beneath your feet? Verse 14, he says, no. For the angels, this is the last verse in this chapter, for the angels are only spirit messengers sent out, look at this, to help and care. To help and care for those who are to receive his salvation. So, that, so there's a big difference. He's saying Jesus is great and the angels are a whole lot less than Jesus. You know, They're only created beings. Even refers to Jesus as having made all the earth here. And says the purpose of angels here 
they are messengers, uh, excuse me, they're, they're spirit messengers sent out to help and to care for those who are to receive his salvation. Well, do you reckon they're still working? Well, absolutely they're still working. Now, remember, this would, uh, this would go uh, right after that verse, you would go right into the next verse. And so he says, so we must listen very carefully to the truths we've heard or we may drift away from them. And you know, you can it's so easy when you stop reading your Bible, you start forgetting about the mercy of God. You come up with your own theology that I, if I just be a good enough person, God will be good to me. Well, God's trying to be good to you anyway. He really is. The, the goodness of God's being poured out everywhere. But he's not going to show you his favor because you're trying to be so good. He's given us these blessings because of Jesus. For since the messages from angels have always proved true and people have always been punished for disobeying them, what makes us think we can escape if we are indifferent to this great salvation announced by the Lord Jesus himself and passed on to us by those who heard him speak? God's always shown that these messages are true by signs and wonders and various miracles and giving certain abilities from the Holy Spirit to those who believe. Yes, God's had assigned such gifts uh, to each of us. You know, this is the reason, you know, when, if you'll just begin to believe God's word, I mean, miracles are supposed to just follow. They do. They just, they're just there. God's going to make sure these miracles happen in your life. Verse 5, and in the future world, we're talking about uh, will not be controlled by the angels. No, for in the book of David, the book of Psalms, David, God says, says anyway, David says to God, uh, where is mere man that you are so concerned about him? And who is this son of man that you honor him so highly? For though you made him lower than the angels for a little while, now you have crowned him with glory and honor. Now, he's still describing Jesus, and he's only saying, pay attention to what Jesus has done for us, because we're not going to escape if we just say, well, you know, I don't know if Jesus is really the way. Oh, yeah, he is the way. Watch this. And you have put your complete charge of everything there is. Nothing is left out. We have not yet seen all of this take place. But we do see Jesus, who for a little while while, was a little lower than the angels, crowned crowned now by God with glory and honor because he suffered death for us. Yes, because uh, of God's great kindness, Jesus tasted death for everyone in all the world. I mean, again, you, you come back to this. If he tasted death for everyone, then he tasted death for me. He did. Verse 10, and it was right and proper that God, who made everything for his own glory, should allow Jesus to suffer. For in doing so, look at this, he was bringing vast multitudes of God's people to heaven. Sometimes we get the idea there's only going to be a few there, you know, because we heard Jesus say, narrow is the the gate, and few there be that find it. But yet he fed the five thousands and the multitudes. Well, see, there's a reason he said it that way. He wasn't talking that way. Ain't gonna be that many people there. Because Jesus turned right around in Matthew chapter 8 and he said, In the kingdom of God, many from the north and the south and the east will sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. There's gonna be a lot of us there. Absolutely, you're gonna be there. Anyway, look at this. Uh, bringing vast multitudes of people to heaven for his suffering made Jesus a perfect leader. Watch this. Oh, one to bring them into their salvation. We who have been... Look at this. Where did this come from? We who have been made holy by Jesus. Well, I thought I need to 
work real good, you know, make sure I look good, you know, and, and try not to mess up today. No, Jesus did this for us. And this is what causes us to go, I'm going to tell somebody else. And it is good news. This gets even better. Watch this. We who have been made holy by Jesus now have the same Father as He has. See, sometimes we don't... We don't I know Jesus calls Him Father, but and I come along and, Hi, Jesus. I'm going to call Him Father. Oh, well, He's your Father. No, He's my Father. When Jesus come out of that tomb, okay, He's resurrected. He sees Mary. He says, Mary, go tell my brothers that I go unto my God and your God and my Father and your Father. That's what Jesus said. Wow. Remember he also said in John 14, In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to what? Prepare a place for you. Wow. <clears throat> he said, pray to your Father in secret. But sometimes we miss it because we think God's up there with the two before. He, he's mad at Richard. Oh, he's so mad at Richard. No, he's not. Well, Richard, you've done things wrong. Well, yes, I've done things wrong, but I couldn't pay for them anyway. I can't pay for the first thing. We think, well, I'll just be like one of my mom's little little preschoolers and I'll go get in time out. And we think time out, I'm not going to pray for nothing because I'm so selfish. No, you're in such need. You need help. Jesus will help you. Think about Jairus. Don't you know Jairus, Jesus could have said, now where have you been? Remember, Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue. And everybody, according to the book of John, was scared to say they believed in Jesus because they were going to get kicked out of the synagogue. Well, what happened to Jairus? His little 12-year-old daughter died. Was really at the point of death. But Jairus said, I don't care. <laughs> this guy is batting a thousand. Every person that comes to Jesus is healed. And when Jesus got off that boat, Jairus said, Lord, you come lay your hands on my daughter and she'll live. And Jesus said, okay. And they head that way. And then they hear the bad news when they get about halfway there. Don't bother him anymore. Your daughter's dead. Jesus heard that and he told Jairus, Hey, only believe. He said, fear not, only believe. But Jesus could have said, see there, see there. Where were you last week? How come you weren't coming to my meetings? You know. And how come you don't stand up for me in the synagogue? Well, I bet you sure as, as you and I are here, after his 12-year-old daughter was raised from the dead, I bet you he stood up for him. Well, he was standing up for him anyway because he knew our only hope is Jesus. But now watch this. We who've been made holy by Jesus now have the same Father he has. That's why, look at this, he is not ashamed to call Bob his brother or Laura his sister. What is it? It's 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, come out from among you and I'll be, you'll be my sons and my daughters. Acts chapter 2 says, sons and daughters. He poured out his spirit. Watch this. For he says in the book of Psalms, I will talk to my brothers about God and my Father and we will sing his praises. Well, he can't be talking about me because I'm one of the ones that struggle, you know. Yes, he is. He's talking about you. Nowhere has this book singled out certain people in the church that are just not as good as the praying grandmother over there. Oh, we got some people. No, because Jesus died to make them holy. 
Another time he says, I put my trust in God along with all my brothers. And still another time, see here am I and the children God gave me. Since we, God's children, are human beings, made of flesh and blood, He became flesh and blood too by by being born in a human form, not only as a human being, excuse me, for only as a human being could He die and in dying break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Now you know why Jesus was why He was born. Verse 15, Only in that way could He deliver those who through fear of death have been living all their lives as slaves to constant dread. Well, I tell you what, that constant dread is still here today. I can still think about things that are bugging me, but guess what? Jesus said He came to deliver me concerning that. Verse 16, we know that He did not come as an angel, but as a human being. Yes, a Jew. And it was necessary for Jesus to be like us, His brothers. Now watch this. So that He could be a merciful and faithful high priest before God. A priest who would be both merciful and faithful to God in dealing with my sins. Yeah. For since he himself has been through suffering and temptation, he knows what it is like when we suffer and are tempted, and he is wonderfully able to help us. We just covered two chapters in Hebrews already, and I got time to do one more. Two chapters. So far in two chapters, I don't feel like God's mad at me. I feel like, you know what? Jesus did something for me. Yeah, he did. Look at this. Watch what happens next. Uh, switch this back. The third chapter. Remember, if, 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 this, uh, if we had gotten this letter, it just come in the mail, and we were meeting at my house or whatever, and somebody said, you got a letter from Paul today. Oh, oh we would read it all. We wouldn't take time to get, try to get theological about it. We would just read it. And I'm telling you, in reading it, it sets you free. Watch this. Therefore, dear beloved, dear brethren, uh, whom God has set apart from Himself, you who are chosen for heaven, will make you feel good, we're chosen for heaven. I want you to think about this Jesus who is God's messenger and faithful high priest, and, and uh, messenger and the high priest of our faith. For Jesus was faithful to God who appointed him high priest, just as Moses was faithful and served in God's house. Okay, we understand Moses led the people through the Red Sea, got them away from Pharaoh, got, got the promised land. Okay. But Jesus has far more glory than Moses, just as a man who builds a fine house gets more praise than his house does. And many people can build houses, but only God made everything. Well, Moses did a fine job working in God's house, but he was only a servant. And his work was mostly to illustrate and to suggest those things which would happen later on. But Christ, God's faithful son, is in complete charge of God's house. And we Christians are God's house. Look at this. Notice he didn't say, if he lives in you. No, he lives in us. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Again, Galatians was written to a whole church and Paul was referencing, well, a few of y'all can say this and not everybody. No, everybody can say that. If we keep up our courage, look, notice this. He didn't say, if you don't make no mistakes. No, if we keep up our courage firm unto the end and our joy and our trust in the Lord. See, there was a strong temptation to go back to 
Moses. Go back to, well, it was fun with Jesus for a while, but I'm scared Jesus is not the way and the truth and the life. I'm going to get back over here. You know. And since Christ is so much superior, the Holy Spirit warns us to listen to Him and to be careful to hear His voice today. And let not our hearts become set, see, against Him. Some people preach, well, you know, you had a beer. Let me tell you something. Jesus would have had a beer too. I mean, drinking is nothing. We, we got this idea that dancing and drinking and all these things, th- those are the sins. No, they're not. The sins of the heart. They're the things that went wrong. Go look and see what Adam did in the garden. I mean, we say it was an apple, but it was just fruit. He just took some fruit and took a bite. And it killed us all. Because it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, don't eat of that fruit. It was just something God said, we don't mess with that thing. But they did. Anyway. Notice this. This is what gets people in trouble. You know. Going against God. You know. But now this being against God is what? It's turning away from Him. It's not that you got mad at somebody. You, you got behind the wheel of that car and you, you know, you just aggravated with some, oh, people aggravate me in the car. I mean, I can get up in the morning and leave here and between here and the parkway, I have just be mad at somebody, you know. Well, oh no, now God's going to be, that's not what he's talking about. This is a complete, I do not want Jesus Christ anymore. Watch this. So he says, don't let your hearts get set against him as the people of Israel did. Now, what did the people of Israel do? They got all the way near the promised land and they said, we want to go back to Egypt. God said, come on, we're going to the promised land. No, we're not going. That's what they, we don't want this God of yours, Moses. They steeled themselves against his love and complained against him in the desert while he was testing them. But God was patient with them for 40 years. Though they tried his patience sorely, he kept right on, look at this, he kept right on doing mighty miracles for them to see. But God says, I was very angry with them, for their hearts were always looking somewhere else instead of up to me, and they never found the paths that I wanted them to follow. That was their trouble they had. God was, you know, God will take care of you. Anyway, watch what he says. Beware then in your own hearts, dear brothers, lest you find that, uh, find that they too are evil and unbelieving and are leading you, what? Away from the living God. Well, I don't want to be led away from the living God. Well, then great. You're with Joshua. You're doing fine. Don't worry about it. Speak to one another about these things while it's still time so that none of you will become hardened against God being blinded by the glamour of sin. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God as, as we, uh, trusting God just as we did when we first became Christians, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. But now is the time. Never forget this warning. Today, if you hear God's voice speaking to you, do not harden your hearts against Him as the people of Israel did when they rebelled against Him in the desert. Now, if you go read those stories, I mean, the sons of Korah came out there and they said, well, we're going to do it our way. And Moses said, everybody stand back. (laughs) You know, everybody get back. And Korah and their families and their little ones came out and they said, we're going to do it our way. And we're not going to follow Moses or your God. 
and the ground opened up and boom, swallowed them. It wasn't that, well, you know, he had it out with his wife, you know, and he had a little mistake there and he did some things wrong. No, they went against the Lord. They didn't want to have anything to do with the Lord. And that's what he's talking about here. For if we're faithful, we read that, let's see, uh, let's see, yeah, but now is the time, never forget this warning, today if you hear God's voice speaking to you, do not harden your hearts against him, as the people of Israel did when they rebelled against him in the desert. And who were those people, uh, I speak of, who heard God's voice speaking to them, but then rebelled against him? They were the ones who came up out of Egypt with Moses, their leader. And who was it who made God angry all those 40 years? These same people who sinned and as a result died in the wilderness. And to whom was God speaking when he spoke forth, no, when he swore with an oath that they could never go into the land he had promised his people? He was speaking to all those who had disobeyed him. And why couldn't they go in? Because they didn't trust him. Remember, they got all the way to the promised land and they said, well, there's giants over there. We can't go over there. God had already said, listen, I, I mean, it's not like God was, well, I got you away from Pharaoh and you're on your own now. No. He had told them you will annihilate those people in the promised land. But they said, no, nah, nah, I don't believe what's going to happen. Yeah, it is. Let's go one more. We'll stop. Oh. Watch this. Although God's promise still stands... His promise that all may enter into his place of rest, we ought to tremble with fear because some of you may be on the verge of failing to get there at all. Is it because I'm doing something I shouldn't do? No. This is turning away and going back to Egypt. I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus anymore. For this wonderful news, the message that God wants to save us has been given to us just as it was those who lived in the time of Moses. But it didn't do them any good because they didn't believe it. They didn't mix it with faith. For only we who believe God can enter into his place of rest. He said, I have sworn in my anger that those who don't believe in me will never get in. Jesus said this one time. He said, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Well, I mean, you know, that's kind of rough. No, it's the only way. Jesus didn't make a backup plan. There's only one plan. I'm the way and the truth and the life and no man comes into the Father but by me. For only we who believe in God can enter into his place of rest. He has said, I have sworn in my anger that those who don't believe me shall never get in. Even though he has been ready and waiting for them since the world began. We know he is ready and waiting because it's written that God rested on the seventh day of creation having finished all that he had planned to make. Even so, they didn't get in, for God finally said, they'll never enter into my rest. Verse 6. Yet the promise remains, and some get in, but not those who had, first, had the first chance, for they disobeyed God and failed to enter. But he set another time for coming in, and that time is now. He announced this through King David long years later, after, after man's first failure to enter in, saying, words already quoted, Today, when you hear him calling, don't harden your hearts against him. This new place of rest he's talking about doesn't mean the land of Israel that Joshua led them into. If that were what God meant, he would have not have spoken of today <clears throat> being the time to get in. So there is a full, complete rest still awaiting for the people of God. Christ already entered there. He's resting from his work, just as God did after creation. Let us do our best to go into that place of rest too. 
and be careful not to disobey God as the children of Israel did, thus failing to get in. Now remember, what sin were they getting themselves in trouble in? It was unbelief. Turning back away from Him. Verse 12, For whatever God says to us is full of living power. It's sharper than the deepest dagger, cutting swift and deeper into our innermost thoughts and desires, and with all the parts exposing us for what we really are. He knows about everyone, everywhere, everything about us is bare and wide open to the all-seeing eyes of the living God. Nothing can be hidden from Him whom we must explain all that we have done. But Jesus, the Son of God, see, now this is what they're comparing. I want to do it another way. I just don't believe in Jesus. I just don't believe his stuff about me. It is. It's true. And this is the rest he's talking about. Remember, Jesus said, take my yoke upon me and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We could not have it any sweeter than to have Jesus in our life. That's the reason they wrote this song. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. I mean, because it is. But Jesus, the Son of God, look at this, is our great high priest who's gone into heaven itself, look at this, to help us. He didn't say he's already done stuff. He's just waiting on us to think this thing through. He's helping us. Therefore, let us never stop trusting him. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses since he has the same temptations we do. He had the same temptations. Though he never once gave way to them in sin. Verse 16, and we're going to stop right here. Look at this. So let us come boldly to the very throne of grace, the very throne of God, and stay there to receive his mercy and find grace to help us in all our times of need. See, with the children of Israel, they come across there and they, they said, we want to go back to Egypt. We don't need to say we need to go back for anything because Jesus takes care of everything. We covered four chapters already. I mean, four in the book of Hebrews right there. Not in, and it gets deeper. You read this on your own. We, we, don't, we, we only went 20-something minutes here. Uh, but already you can see the only thing God's interested in is don't stop trusting me. Keep trusting me. God will take care of everything. It didn't matter what you're facing. It's like when we were praying just a moment ago. Psalm 55, uh, verse 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord. Little Hannah in the Bible, she didn't have any kids. She goes to Eli, who was not a very good high priest. He was terrible. His sons were, they were having harlots in, uh, in the church at that time. Hannah goes to Eli and she's crying there at the steps of the, uh, where the sanctuary was at. And he thought she was drunk. Remember that's 1 Samuel chapter 1. And he says, if you're going to drink, why don't you drink somewhere else? Don't drink here at the church. She should have put her hands on her hips and said, if you're going to be a decent high priest, why don't you get your sons to quit bringing uh, harlots inside this church? And why don't you get them? I mean, she could have said a lot, but she didn't. She said, I am sorrowful of heart because I don't have any children. And Eli says, oh, well, hey. I mean, the table of the showbread shows the presence of the Lord. Eli knew this, knew this and he says, well, darling, if that's all you want, may the Lord grant you your petition. <gasps> that's out of bounds. You never know if it's God's will for you to have kids or not. Are you kidding? It's all through the Bible. Why would we ever want to trust anything but God to take care of a single problem? God will fix anything from lawnmowers to having kids or anything. 
And anyway, as you realize, uh, she went and uh, uh, she wound up having a, a little boy. His name was Samuel, and she named him Samuel because it meant asked of God. And that's all he's saying right here. Let's come boldly to the very throne of God. Now, how can I can, can I come boldly there? Because you're welcome. Jesus said in chapters 2 there that you're his children. You're his brethren. We're in multitudes going unto God now. He made us holy. And so we can go right to the very throne of God and stay there and receive his mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We don't have to be like the children of Israel when we get to the promised land and go, there's giants over there. I'm not going. But Caleb and Joshua, what did they do? They said, hey, we're more than able to take the land. Pretty simple. Very simple. You've got his mercy. Praise God. Isn't it neat? In four chapters here, you can already find out that you belong to Jesus. Jesus already accepts you. And there's not any ands, ifs, or buts. And I don't know. a little gray area right there. And I'm not too sure if Jesus. Yes, he does. He's, he, he's pulled us all in together. Father, we thank you for your word today. We appreciate it. Not my words, yours. Hallelujah. So, Lord, I just thank you. By your stripes, we're healed today. You take care of us all in our bodies. Make us all well if we're hurting today. Lord, if we're struggling financially in anything, just fix it. Praise the Lord. We know you will, just like your word already said here. And if there's any other trouble we may be having, whether it's not finances, it might not be uh, sickness or whatever, just some problem that's just bugging us, Lord, get us out of that trouble. And we just thank you for it. And that didn't leave anything left but for us to go tell others. How good you are to us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.